Hi, I'm Marty. I'm Dave. I'm John. I'm Aaron. And this is Door 14 Hockey. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Door 14 Hockey Podcast. I'm your host Marty alongside John. Hello. Uh, John, um, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, the first time around when it was just me and you, you know, it was kind of a coincidental just happened that way because, you know, people, things happened and, and people can come on the show. Now it kind of feels like it's just becoming a habit. <laughs> just, it does. It, it, feels, it feels on purpose now. It um, It's, I don't know, I, I mean, there's sickness, there's holidays, there's... There's other other reasons for it, but yeah, it feels feels personal now. I, I feel like it's personal because it's they haven't they haven't shown up for any episodes since I came back from from my break. I think I think it was you know mix of different. Oh no, wait, just prefer no, me as host. Dave, Dave was here for one. I think that was the episode that you weren't around. Um, um, That's true. But yeah, it's, we haven't had a full panel in over nearly two months now. Um, yes, the guys are both Aaron and Dave aren't with us tonight. Um, Dave is currently in Copenhagen, landed today in Copenhagen. He's way over to see the family. Um, so he is in Copenhagen. Enjoying Very that. nice rental car. Very nice rental car. So he's got um, a midterm break um, of, I think he's going to go and see, I think one game at least. There's two games potentially, but one game at least. I think he's got one in mind. Yeah, yeah so he's got, he's got, to, he's got, he's going to one game at least in in, in Copenhagen and then they're off to uh, Legoland for the kids, which is pretty fun. They don't know that. Yeah, but they're not going to listen to this podcast. They're not interested in the podcast. Dave, Dave might put it on in the rental car. But by that stage, they'll probably know. Um, and then the, uh, Aaron has caught COVID for the third time, so shouldn't well, laugh. Well, he will go Should... to Boston twice in a week. Yeah, shouldn't laugh, but yeah, he's uh, he's caught COVID for the third time. So hopefully uh, he gets better soon. We were talking to him all that's, week and he seemed that's okay. That's what he gets for going, going to Boston twice in a week yeah. and then thinking it's smart to go to a cigar bar and watch a, a, an NHL game from the cigar bar. Well, you know, he, uh, yeah, he, so, uh, hopefully he's, hopefully he's on the mend and it doesn't hit him too hard this time around. I think we were talking to him earlier in the week and he seemed okay. And as the weeks and dawn, he's kind of felt a bit rubbish. So, uh, yeah, he said he would. Seemed he may, okay. And then he was less okay. Yeah. He, he did say he might jump on this evening. So he may turn up halfway through the episode. I doubt it, but we'll see if he does. If it, he if might it, turn up and completely screw up the whole YouTube version with videos changing everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be the usual um, slick production from Door 14 if he does decide to turn in. Yeah, but you're forgetting this time around it's me and I know the buttons. So therefore, if he does turn up, I can make sure that's ready to go. So anyway, Uh, John, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm trying to remember if we've spoken since I was in Belfast. Is this the first recording since um, I was over? I think it is. Potentially. Um, so yeah, um, I was you were, at the you were final here, CHL game. You were here, and then you were back over, and then you recorded while you were back over. That's and right. Then, yeah, yeah. You came back. So since I was last on the podcast, <laughs> I was back again, um, and rather than seeing, unfortunately, two defeats, uh, I did bring Isla for her first official did, yeah. home game, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be an absolute stonker of a game, and we dropped the Coventry Blaze seven yeah. nil in Isla's home debut. So yeah, apparently she can come back. She can indeed. Welcome anytime. And then me and me and Dave then went over across the water. Then the following night went to uh, the uh, Coventry. So uh, game. How, how did that go? Is that a fully sober affair? I assume. <sighs> um. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't an exciting game. 
It was an amazing game. Um, it was. <laughs> do you know what? It was one of those games where we went into the game not expecting too much. We kind of thought, you know, I was chatting to, we, we kind of met a bunch of Carpentry fans on the flight over and we got chatting to them and they were like, you know, um, you know, you trenches last night and, and everything else. And we were like, yeah, we were surprised by that as you are because obviously you had a really good form to start of the season and, and everything else. Um, and I said, but I would imagine you guys are going to come out and try and, you know, all guns blazing on the first, uh, don't mind the pun there, uh, coming out, you know, ready to go in this, you know, the, in your home game in Coventry on the Sunday. Um, and at first to start, it looked like that to start with. And then obviously the Giants with their goal went into the thing and then it came to the end of the first period, 4-1 down or whatever it was. And we're just like, oof. But Dave said, Dave was all like, you know, one more goal. We just need that one goal and we'll just be back into it and, you know, we'll get things up again. And right enough, that second goal was scored. Well, second goal was scored and then called off because of randomness. And then the, the second goal was actually scored and then it just went up from there and it was it was pretty amazing. So we do apologize to the other Cov- the other Giants fans who were in Coventry that night because as the as we get into the third period and as me and Dave had been drinking more and more, as you know yourself, John, as you probably can imagine, uh, we were getting slightly louder and the chants were getting slightly louder. Um, but it was good. Good game. Um, slightly less PG as well, were they? No, no, we were, no, there's, there's you quite kept a, it. Oh, you kept it PG? Mm, there's quite a few kids around us. We kept the PG. There's quite a few kids and and obviously, I was oh, okay. I was away with a dad who, you know, obviously would be like language, you know. So, yeah, it is it is as we're continually told a family game. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is yeah, but it was good. Um, okay, uh, we will do what we always do, and we'll start off our show by taking a quick look uh, at the standings across the elite ice hockey, the elite ice hockey league. Um, sorry, I was just getting distracted there. Um. So we'll take a quick look um, across the board and see how things are stacking up as we move into the end of October, our second month of play. Uh, sitting at the top of the league, um, still holding strong uh, with their good run of form there is the Guildford Flames, having played 12 games and scoring 21 points. Sheffield Steelers are in second with 10 games played, 15 points. Coventry are Cardiff are in third with 10 games played, 15 points. Coventry are fourth with 11 games played, 14 points. Belfast are in fifth place with seven games played, 10 points. Manchester sit in 6th with 9 games played and 9 points. Dundee are in 7th with 11 games played and 8 points. Nottingham Panthers are in 8th with 9 games played and 8 points. Five Flyers are in 9th with 9 games and 5 points. And the Glasgow clan sit bottom in 10th place with 3... Or sorry, yeah, 10th place, 10 games played, 3 points. Um, John, let's start off looking at the top of the league. Guildford are continuing their form at the top. Um pretty dominant so far played again last night against cardiff devils uh were losing in that i think it was in, coming up towards the second period i think they were on the back foot and then they came back to one last night um beat the giants last week as well um continuing that strong dominant performance i think seven games is it streak at the moment i think i read somewhere or whatever something uh, like that uh, what's um, your take look guilford are and we I think I've lost track now of how often we've said this, that Guildford are and always have been a team to watch. Um, I think up until last season, we would have said that they they were more suited to the short-form competitions. Um, pick out the irony there of me calling the Challenge Cup a short-form tournament. Um, but things like um, the Challenge Cup and playoffs, I always felt suited them and suited Paul Dixon's style of coaching style of hockey a lot better than the the long league form that you need to win a league title um but that said here they are now uh we're what five six or more weeks now into the season and yeah they they are looking pretty dominant um 
again, we're only 10, 12 games in for most teams, um, less if you're Belfast, um, which puts us in a good position. We've a, a fair number of games in hand, given our breaks for CHL games. Um, so we've got a little bit of catching up to do, um, but Guildford look in a strong and commanding position right now. There are other strong teams at the top of that table as well, though, and that's when you start getting into the usual suspects. Um, Sheffield and Cardiff are both sitting up at the top end there. You expect absolutely no less of those two clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, still, the one surprise. Now, they've hit a little bump in the road, I would say. It's, I think it's fair to say at this point. I agree with you. Um, Coventry sitting now squarely mid-table is probably not where they deserve to be right now. Um, they've put a lot of effort in and had some remarkable results. Whether that 7-0 defeat against the Giants is a turning point um, where, I don't want to say that they've been riding on puck luck up to this point, but maybe maybe they have. And maybe this is what we're actually going to see from this Coventry team is this hot and cold, um, no real form following all the way through. They're going to have good results. They're going to have bad results. And they're going to just do that blow hot and cold. Um, if you do that, you're not going to win a league title. That's uh, A lot of people will talk about points in September being as important as points in March. And they're 100% correct. Um, and so far, those top three teams, and let's put the Giants into that rung as well, are showing that those early points are as important when it comes to league titles. Agreed. Um, yeah, you're right. I think that that Coventry's run of form has been has was impressive to start with. Um, and as you say, they've just kind of hit this little point where they've kind of then I don't know. They've as you I like the the phrase that you used about that puck luck. And yeah, have they reached that point where it's kind of went right? Let's turn into normal form and go back to kind of where we are. But I, I agree. They they've had a really good start to the season, and you kind of like to see that run kind of maybe pick up again because a dominant Coventry's fun um and yeah. having more teams Look, having more teams having more teams being dominant and sitting at those top and, and fighting out having four or five teams sitting at the top fighting out week on week and and keeping towards the same point levels where i think everyone will agree we, we're obviously we, we're easily on the lucky side of it because as a belfast giants fans we're, we're used to having the giants sitting top three usually sitting up and around there and in terms of like you know quite either up there quite high with their points in terms of like higher than most other teams or but whenever you have four or five teams who are sitting kind of close together clumped together and, and, and really performing well it just makes everything more exciting and yeah you kind of hope that coventry kind of hold that keep that going um, or pick up that form again Listen, unless unless it's your team you don't want to see a team run away with a a, a league um you want to see exactly what you're saying a, a tight table at the top you want to see it go to the final week like look at the the year's We've seen things go down to the last weekend. Sometimes it goes our way, sometimes it doesn't. But there is absolutely no denying that when you're stuck in the middle of it, it's one of the most exciting times of the entire season. Definitely. Um, playoffs playoffs, and the, and the Challenge Cup, those are what they are. They're, they're one-off games, they're one-off finals. They're, they're, they're just designed to be that shorter form. And yeah, they're exciting. But uh, this is what makes our league different to other hockey leagues is that we we love that run-in, we love that full season of results, and we like it coming down to the wire, because that's where true class comes, and that's where it shows. Uh, A team that's got true class will come through and can win those important games to lift a league trophy. Agreed. And it's not going to be Glasgow. 
No, let's take a quick look at the bottom of that league just to see the bottom of our league, just to kind of see where things are stacking and get your thoughts. Obviously, we are going to talk about Glasgow again in in, in the first period. Um, obviously, there's been more um more on the Glasgow clan, more movements there in terms of um happenings and comes and goings there in Glasgow. So we will talk about that um in the first period. Um, but they are sitting at the bottom still, just haven't been able to turn their luck around in terms of the start of the season. You know, really struggling with t- ten games played and three points. Um, but we also have other names down there. I mean, you've got five who are currently sitting in ninth and you've got the Panthers sitting in eighth um you know and also if we look at the 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 six seven and eight I mean you've got Manchester Dundee and Nottingham sitting kind of roughly on the same points haven't played roughly the same amount of games apart from Dundee's playing two games extra but uh Nottingham uh eighth place I mean that's not somewhere they want to be especially under this new tutelage and this new era of of the Panthers no (laughs) uh (laughs) Look, if you're one person in particular, you've had a, a pretty rough start to the the elite league season, and it's uh, it's Neil Black. He he can't buy success at this point, um, unfortunately. Um, two teams sitting squarely at the bottom. One probably not going to make playoffs. Um, they they might scrape through, but I, I genuinely we're going to talk about the changes that are happening in Glasgow. I genuinely don't see that team making playoffs. Um, the, the results are one thing the the reason that people are sort of throwing about, about there and what we're going to talk about is certainly part of it but it's just not a group of players and look I'll, I'll bite my tongue They're, someone is going to get beaten by them eventually we have a game against them this weekend and we could be the ones that fall to them um, but you don't want, nobody wants to be that team at this point yeah. uh, and to be fair a couple of nights ago Nottingham thought it was going to be them uh, I wonder was a I wonder was a phone call made, uh, and uh, a game was maybe thrown on that one. But uh, I I jest. Of course, that was not the situation. Um, <laughs> hold that thought because I do have a question, kind of similar to something you just said there. Um, in our period one, just in relation to Glasgow. So, um, hold on to that because I will ask that question. Um, just quickly, we'll have a look at the um challenge cup although we had looked at and there hasn't been much change since our last recording um obviously we know the group a group a has been completed and group uh group a has completed in terms of the qualifications there belfast fife and dundee going through um group b and group c still i don't think are still aren't finished although sheffield have clinched the first space uh in group c um nottingham panthers manchester storm um still have um well they also have games play but they still have a chance to get well nottingham I should say Nottingham, Sheffield, Nottingham, Cardiff, and Guildford all sitting on six points um, at the moment are through, um, and Manchester would be dropping out. However, um, obviously Cardiff have played seven games, and not, uh, Manchester have only played six, so they could still be a, a contention there between Cardiff and Manchester on who will get that final spot in the uh, in the in the play and the Challenge Cup moving fo- moving moving forward into the next I'm, stage. I'm just I'm throwing it out there. There's something wrong with that table because the Cardiff Devils should not have played seven games surely because there's only one weekend left of the group stage and the Cardiff Devils have got another game and the Steelers so there's only two games left in the group stage it's Sheffield Steelers versus Nottingham Panthers and Cardiff Devils against the Coventry Blaze and it all wraps up this weekend how on earth can the the Blaze only play six games, yet the Cardiff Devils are going to play eight games? 
there is a problem with I, that table I straight this, away. I thought this the other day. I thought it was six games apiece. I thought it was it's six other. games in the group stage. So one of those results but clearly then, is wrong. But then you said that Nottingham Panthers. You said the Panthers play Sheffield again. Did you say in the cup? Yep. Uh, so the last games are. This Saturday, the Sheffield Steelers face the Nottingham Panthers and the Cardiff Devils face the Coventry Blades. But that would take them to seven games apiece instead of six doesn't, as well. It, it doesn't make sense. I think there's something like, wrong with this table. We're going we're gonna to talk about tables and being wrong and online game centres <laughs> yep. not being right. And this is clearly uh, a case of that because you've got Group A who have all played six games and we now know who's qualified. The Glasgow clan have dropped out of that. There is absolutely no way that you can have teams in groups ending on odd numbered games. No, That's I agree. Not how I, this works. I kind of thought there was a bit of an odd situation with that table, and I, I think you're right. I think it is wrong. I think we need a, a let's take a fresh look at it. Another point. Oh, elite league. Hopefully, hopefully it is because it just doesn't make any sense. I thought that too. Check fly scores. They're probably more reliable. At this That's point. exactly what I'm doing just now. <laughs> so you you chat away for like thirty seconds while I try and figure this nonsense out. Um, John, we obviously have the uh, Challenge Cup coming in towards the, the later stages now and the group stages come um, moving forward. We obviously have Guildford, who hopefully will probably move through as well. Um, do we see that maybe a continued run of form in terms of, you know, their... They've had a bit of. They've had okay form, you know. So obviously six games played, six points, uh, you know. But they're, I mean, they're second, sitting second in their in their uh, group stage. But you know, with this run of form currently, they're on this really good, strong confidence boost they've got through the league as well. Do you think that might translate over into the group stages? Do you think they'll maybe take it further, or you'd like to think so? Um, I'm being honest. I've just got the flash scores. They're showing exactly the same table. They are okay. Look. If someone wants to explain the Challenge Cup to me again, and if I, <laughs> Mark, Mark, I get it wrong all the time. What's going on here? Like, how how does this work? This can't make any sense at all. Um, anyway, um, I don't even know where to go with this. How do you have a discussion like this when T? Te- I don't know. I hate the Challenge Cup. Let's move on then. Let's not get your brain to explode. Let's just move on. Um, we normally would uh, take a look at the across the pond in the NHL, but it's again still really early days. I think the max number of games have played is about six or seven games played over there, so we're not going to focus on it just yet. Um, it's regular season. Who cares? Yeah, it's regular season. We'll maybe we'll start looking at it maybe from next month onwards, um, or towards Christmas time. Just kind of that's when it gets more interesting for us in terms of the, the spots and things. So we'll take a wee look there um or in the next maybe in the next episode anyway um just after more games have played there's only one uh team which we will mention in period two um who will look about we'll talk about in terms of form um coming up at the start of the season and but we will talk about that in period two um john if you have nothing else uh we will get stuck straight in to our period one of hockey Okay, our period one of hockey is just a roundup and coverage of any stories locally uh, here in the UK across the hockey world. Um, I'm going to start us off, John. If that's okay. No, actually, do you know what? I'm. Let's start with this. Let's start with. Go to the big news. Let's go. Let's with that do one. the big yeah, news. Let's go with you. We'll head over to you first. We'll we'll start with that one first. So we alluded a few minutes ago to the fact that there is news from Glasgow, and the big news from Glasgow is that coach Malcolm Cameron is leaving the team as of today, with immediate effect. 
the Glasgow clan statement says that Cameron joined the clan ahead of the 2021-22 season and despite a late start to the campaign, led the club to a respectable sixth place in the EIHL. However, results in the early part of the season have been very disappointing and the club are now exploring possible options to succeed him and take the clan forward. Uh, the clan then go on to say that they would like to place on record their thanks to Malcolm for his contribution to our organisation over the past 16 months. The clan would like to wish Malcolm and his family all the very best in future endeavours and that assistant player coach Stephen Dixon will take over as interim head coach assisted by player Dyson Stevenson. Um, Marty, I think it's pretty clear that we can read between the lines here. I think this is uh, a Glasgow clan team that are either... 15 or 16 uh, games this season without a win. Um, they were between Coach Cameron and uh, their former GM. The club was dragged through the mud very, very publicly uh, due to um, some ill-considered signing uh, options that were put forward and then very swiftly cancelled. Um, which has led us to the point of the owner looking to sell the club and clearly a coach potentially who has uh, walked before he was pushed, uh, I think, from the, the format of that statement. Um, what's your thoughts? Well, you actually you got there before I was going to ask the question in terms of my question to you was when you read that statement, you obviously do think that it feels like a walk before pushed. Um, you, you don't think there's anything in it behind it that was... Uh, was more of a well i suppose they would have said terminated rather than the cities you know the, i think that they said what was the phrasing they used this is departure departure with immediate effect yeah, so, so to me to me this reads as the club obviously not wanting to get into the conversation of what's happened previously they they don't want to get back into all that um and okay some would say that they have their owner has put that to one side and has made the statement that the club is going to make, that the ownership are going to make around that situation. Um, obviously, no coach, I think, could expect to carry on with the number of losses, and this feels like a way, potentially as part of a termination clause within a contract, to have him leave. Now, I might be wrong in that he's walked instead of being pushed. I think the language of the statement is very tempered, given the clear feeling and ill feeling within the Glasgow fan base towards Malcolm Cameron, uh, given the entire situation that that club and that fan base have been through over the last three weeks, four weeks even. Um, no one is going to be... He he will not be on the wall of fame in, uh, in Brayhead, let's put it that way. Definitely um, not. So, uh, I don't know. The statement is very carefully worded, and it's probably that's probably the most carefully worded statement that's come out of Glasgow in the last month. A couple of things, that, a couple of thoughts I had on this. Whenever they obviously announced it, we kind of not saying well, we did expect it to come at some point. We knew that at some point this was going to happen, and we we knew it was going to be a, a case of you know who 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 pulled the trigger first in terms of did Malky decide he wanted to move first or did the, the team decide that they or did Neil Black move in to the point where he decided it was time for them to go a couple of things I kind of was thinking about in relation to whenever this was announced today was obviously there's a lot of chat at the moment around the, well it's publicly out there that we know that the team is up for sale there is a a, a group of people who are currently interested as I, I believe in purchasing um the clan and moving forward with a yeah, purchase it's a of collective the of a two collective, yep. two of the two of the team's main sponsors yep. 
are looking to go in and, and buy the club so out from Neil Black. My question is, is is it, a, is it a possibility that the potential new owners as part of maybe discussions they've had have been, well, we want to buy it, but we don't want to buy it with the current contract in place for your current because you know the idea might be the idea and the again i'm not I, I don't know the ins and outs but there could have been the possibility that if the purchase the person was coming in they had to buy into obviously the contracts for players and everything else so they have to honor whatever currently is in place which would also maybe include uh, include malky's contract i'm not sure is there I'm a not case sure of, because I, i'm not i'm not sure how this would how this would work whether the the new now I've read some of the stuff about the new bid for the new owners and I believe what they'll end up doing is setting up a whole new business. Now I believe on the sale of the franchise, what that would mean is that the contracts wouldn't be transferred per se. I think there would be new contracts set up with the new employers. Because mm. uh, the, the new owners would be the new employers, not the not the current ones. I might be completely wrong on that. I'm not a I'm not a contract lawyer or anything. Yeah, I kind of um, thought you're probably not entirely wrong. Yeah, with the fact that um, given what's gone on here, given that these were representatives of two of the major sponsors who suspended their sponsorship of the team because of what happened, and given the clear ill feeling of the fan base towards this coach. There is absolutely no no way that he was going to continue on with new owners. There, there's just no way. What I would say is that, and probably what it's worth being careful about reading too much into what's going on here, is bearing in mind Neil Black's statement where he talked about there being legal issues about what he could and couldn't talk about. And I, the fact that the GM was out the door very quickly, mm. yet Malcolm Cameron, whose role as head coach, and I believe he had a business role as well, which was why he was there, um, he was heavily involved in the signings and dealing with scouts and all the rest of it. It smacked of there were contractual reasons why he couldn't be fired, which is why I say that perhaps going 15 without a win maybe triggers something within yeah, yeah. Uh, a contract, yeah, yeah. which says They're right, not performing. It's, either, not performing it's either walk. Level. Yep. Yeah, it's either yeah, yeah. walk or go at this yeah. point. I guess the only reason why I was asking is because obviously there, the, it's the, in UK law, there's the you know the cheapy. Is it called cheapy? T U P E cheapy cheapy cheapy. Yeah. Um, they obviously I kind of thought maybe that was kind of in effect, and that's maybe the part of the discussion. But I think you're possibly right. I think it's possibly that um, there's been a case of, especially with them being a a coach, it's basically like performance related. You know, obviously if they're not performing the way they should be on the ice, you have an option to terminate contract or agree to to, to separate go separate ways. And it could have been a possible... Again, these are all us just kind of... Obviously, we don't know We're anything. Guessing We're guessing. It could just be that more of a, you know, to save... And so that Malky doesn't get a black mark against his, you know, coaching in terms of, like, trying to nothing, find another coach. Nothing, nothing stops that. Um, nothing stops him walking away with with less than a black spot in his hand uh, after this one. But wow. look, out of everything, the key thing that we've got here is we've got a franchise, we've got fans who get to step back, take a breath... And effectively start their season fresh so again. That was now, my next question. That was players. My- they're going to need players. They're incredibly short benched now. Whether we see some some players come back, who uh, there were reports, uh, founded or unfounded, that um, Cameron had completely lost the locker room. Um, some of the footage of him leaving Nottingham would seem to suggest that he had clearly lost the respect of most, if not all, of that bench of players. Um, but look, if you're a 
if you're a Glasgow fan, I don't think there there's any reason to not be happy tonight. Yeah, um, this is a major step. You're gonna have a hopefully a good new new coach. Um, the online chat is already throwing Tomo straight into Glasgow. Um, so we wait for his wagon to roll up to uh, the Brayhead Shopping Centre. Um, and you know what? They could do a lot worse than bring Tomo in because guaranteed they brought him in. They might even win the bloody league. We'll see. We'll see. Whistle getting brought back in again as a temporary uh, coach <laughs> over there, maybe. You know, you yep. never know. Uh, that was my last question on this before I were moved on, John. Actually, and, and kind of just as you were mentioning and kind of alluded to it a bit there. Obviously, th- this announcement of him leaving, kind of for for a lot of fans, probably uh, there's probably a lot of rejoice tonight from the fan base in clan just in relation to such a bad start to the season. Do we feel it? Uh, and I know you mentioned earlier on that you can't, you don't, you don't maybe possibly see them reaching playoffs at this, at this point, but early part of the season you know we're only into you know we're still early days of the season early doors um do you feel it to be like maybe like a rejuvenated feeling within that locker room if they bring in a new gm if they get things going start firing on cylinders maybe still pull back and 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 still end up fighting for that those bottom you know eighth seventh sixth spot look i'm not discounting that that's a possibility but what we've been hearing from Glasgow is that they are short benched. Uh, they are, I think, they only had fourteen skaters uh, when they played in Nottingham over the weekend. And look, I hold my hands up again. And this could be a locker room situation. It could be guys saying they're injured, um, or we all might just be reading far too much into it, and that they are a club that are suffering really badly with injuries. Um, they could make a run. Every team could make a run. Um, Every team from 1st to 10th at this point in the season could still win the league. Um, I mean, it's not going to be Glasgow. And look, they might make playoffs, but with that locker room being in this level of disarray, unless something spectacular happens, I don't see this group of players regrouping to a stage that they are going to suddenly go on a run because the teams ahead of them unless there's another disaster, Nottingham, Dundee, Manchester are all good teams. They are good, good teams. The reason that they're sitting where they are is they are not the likes of Belfast, Coventry, Cardiff, Sheffield and Guildford this season. The bottom two teams that we've got at the bottom are there for a reason. We're seeing Fife and we're seeing Glasgow in ninth and 10th because, in my opinion, they are ninth place and 10th place teams. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Agree 100%. Um, okay. Um, hopefully, well, I'm sure that by the time it comes to our next recording in two weeks' time, I'm sure there'll probably be more news on the Glasgow front. Hopefully, positive news in relation to moving forward uh, with a, a new coach or uh, potentially maybe further developments in relation to the sale. We'll never know. Um, so don't know what will happen in two weeks' time um, in the late league, but uh, we will obviously keep it updated and we'll, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in our next episode. Um, let's move on to our next story. Um, and this is just a, another, just a quick one, um, obviously coming out of um, from the late league today. Um, we are we were waiting for the playoff tickets to go on sale next week. Um, we, we've known about the playoffs, obviously, that was announced. We talked about it in the last episode. The playoffs were announced um, to be releasing the tickets early this year um kind of to counteract obviously todd Cameron came out and and, and did, made a statement um on behalf of the league and explained about how they messed up previously and that they apologized for it and therefore they're going to try and rectify that this year and one of those things that they're doing this year is to ensure that the sale of the tickets is that they've decided to move forward with releasing the um 
playoff final weekend tickets um, in October rather than January, which is what they normally do, um, is obviously to ensure that there's a sellout or ensure that there's more seats. So, you know, fair play, I think it's a, it's a good move. Um, it'll allow for more people to purchase tickets this early on um, instead of having to wait until Christmas time and January time when people maybe have less money because that's what happens sometimes whenever they release tickets then. Anyway, moving forward, they did release, they did announce today though that they have moved the, the sale of the tickets back one day, but it's only by one day. Um, but the most important thing, I suppose, just from this, just to have a wee quick look at, was obviously that they did release those um, information um, and the allocated blocks have been set. The tickets will go on sale on Tuesday, the 1st of November at 9 a.m. For anybody who is looking to purchase tickets, um, we here at Door 14 need to get our, put our fingers out and start figuring out what we're doing if we're definitely going and start booking our flights and stuff because i'm sure the prices are going uh, up. let's be fair let's be fair we know we're going we are going no yeah well i'm sure we, maybe yeah you know we are yeah no we've got commitment i think yeah why are you making this a question of course we're going <laughs> okay yes we're going okay um but the tickets do go on sale um as i say next tuesday morning um and the blocks themselves have been released no real difference obviously we know nottingham and sheffield Steelers get the most blocks as always um and the other teams then fit in kind of in the round the arena so the the blocks and the images are the the chart is there um, for anybody who wants to have a look to see what the teams have been allocated. The only thing to note was, um, and I will hand, put my hands up and I was wrong, I kind of guessed wrongly. Uh, I thought it'd be Sheffield and also I thought uh, Cardiff would be selling their own tickets as well. But Sheffield Steelers will be the only team this year that will be selling the tickets directly from the Steelers. So therefore, they're not in general release for the Sheffield Steelers fans. And the further price from the Sheffield Steelers fans will be announced uh, as of in the next coming days. I'm sure they'll be announcing whatever their price they're going to charge for the booking fee on top of their normal prices. Um, so we'll wait and see what they come in at. Um, I don't, think there's anything, I don't think there's anything else to really mention from that. The only thing I did have to mention was, John, I did get a request um, in from, from Mark who did ask um, what you did last year with the with the seating chart in terms of, he's like, he's, his exact words were, I know that he's probably busy now because he's got a child, but uh, he's like, with the seating chart you did last year, is there any way you maybe consider doing that this year as a development to, see, to show the difference between the, the this year? Do you know what? Come, if we think that there's a problem, come... Um sort of the February time, then absolutely, I will uh, I will throw a seating chart together again. If I'm being honest, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I would expect by Christmas we're going to get an announcement from I, the league that it's sold out. I think, what he was, I think more he was looking more as maybe like a comparison, like after the first month of ticket sales last year versus the first oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. ticket sales this year what's the difference so um yeah i think i think uh, i think you're right though john i think there'll be no issues i think they're just gonna they're gonna sell well this I'll year i'll be honest i i think with the positive reaction that we've seen like i'll be honest i wanted to have a chat with you guys about jumping on tickets next tuesday <laughs> oh no yeah i'm yeah i was yeah i'm all yeah i was i was down for because that i i would be and i know that there will be a lot of fans going um and the fact that we clearly are reliant on the single block of belfast giant tickets i think we need to jump pretty early i agree yep um we'll we'll, we'll put that in the chat later <laughs> um okay uh, it's funny you you noticed you noted actually that um the Steelers would be the only ones uh directly selling um just literally two minutes after we came on air actually um came on air like we're a radio show um <laughs> The Nottingham Panthers will be having a priority window for sales for their uh, season ticket holders. Um, so this was following feedback during um, season ticket renewals during the summer. Um, they 
Um, tickets will go on sale at 9am on Tuesday, 1st November, and season ticket window will last until 6pm on Monday, the 14th of November. Um, tickets will be limited to one per season ticket holder. Now, if you're booking on behalf of another season ticket holder, please ensure you have their season ticket details to hand when making your bookings. So they are holding the the number of season ticket seats i assume this is what this means for their season ticket holders general sale for panthers blocks won't be until the 14th of november so they're giving their fans just shy of two weeks to uh or sorry their season ticket holders two weeks to get those tickets so that to me suggests that they know that this is going to be probably a sellout playoffs uh, yeah and they want to give their their hardcore, their core fan base, their season ticket holders, the opportunity to grab theirs first. So was that sorry, was that Sheffield or Nottingham? Sorry, did you say? That's Nottingham. Nottingham. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, so while while they're not direct well, I assume that they're directly managing um that, but it is through their home arena. So I assume if you're wanting to buy tickets for blocks 15, 16, and 17, you're gonna need your uh Panthers season ticket number. Uh, to get those tickets uh, until the 14th when any Tom, Dick or Harry in Nottingham can go in and buy a, a ticket in the the least crack sections of the entire playoff weekend. And as I say, we'll wait and see um, what Sheffield come out with in terms of their um, announcements for their sales of tickets and everything else. Probably that you need to have two kidneys when you buy so that they can take one of them. Potentially. Okay, um, let's move on to our next story. Um, and again, it's just another quick one, um, but we just want, wanted to mention it. Obviously, um, obviously, last week there was uh, the at the start of this week the it was announced the, the um, that the GB under twenty squad was announced um, for the upcoming Double uh, IHF World Championships. Um, GB will host Lithuania along with Croatia, Netherlands, Romania, and Spain in the Division Two Group A tournament, which is to take place uh, on the eleventh eleventh to the 17th of December um I suppose the big thing to say is obviously just looking across the the at the roster um obviously there's been a number of elite league players um added to that under 20s team um right across from the Nottingham Panthers right through to the Belfast Giants um some players on two-way contracts um Coventry Blaze obviously represented there too um from a from a Belfast Giants point of view, uh, John, I mean, we've obviously got some some names here from from Belfast on this squad. Um, you've got Max Stewart, who's uh, representing. We've got Carter Hamill, although he's not in the elite league, he's still a, a Belfast boy. Um, we also have Kel Beatty there as well. Um, I mean, kind of similar names to we've seen it in previous tournaments. Um, but again, great showing, um, showing that the, the, the these these boys are, are getting to play minutes within the under twenties game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the probably one of the the big things for me is just the number of these um, these guys in the under twenties who are on two ways. Um, this is these are links that I think we've all been shouting out for with the the EIHA and the Elite League. Now it's not a it's clearly not a, a league arrangement. It's not the the Elite League and the EIHA coming to an agreement. It's individual teams come to these agreements but seeing the likes of Kel Beatty on a two-way between Solway and Belfast um, Carter Hamill clearly playing full-time in, in Leeds and I think that's right for him um, and then like you said Mac he's doing his two-way between Belfast and Milton Keynes um, but the, there's others as well two ways between Nottingham and Leeds uh, between 
Panthers and uh, a couple others. Um, Sheffield, obviously, they've got an easy one there. They've got the, the Steelers and the Steel Dogs. Um, and a couple of guys who are playing abroad as well, um, who are moving into the under-20s as well. And these are names to watch for the senior team uh, as well. Both of um, the starting netminders, Daniel Crow playing for the Nashville Spartans in the US and Ben Norton playing for Columbia in the US as well. Um, so that sort of experience, those are college level um, teams that they're playing for. Um, they are going to come in with a wealth of experience and bringing that back to GB, that's fantastic to see. So look, we wish these guys all the best of luck with this uh, tournament in Lithuania. Yep, definitely we do indeed. And I was, you you, you kind of got there before I did. That that defensive line for this GB under-20s team is pretty impressive. I mean, you've got um, four players there, no, three players there who are representing right across like major parts of Canada as well and the US. Um, it's just fantastic. Um, so we do wish them all the luck um, moving into that competition uh, in a few weeks' time. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, John, moving back to you for the last story of this period. Yeah, so this was an interesting one, um, and let's uh, let's give props. This uh, came from banners, uh, banners on the wall again as well, because uh, let's be honest, nothing happens in the IHA that we have any clue about. Uh, and I did do some reading up on this, but this was the news that since the start of this season, the EIHA has not had their um, game platform, their their online platform for recording games, tables, scores, all the rest of it. They just don't have one. Um, we're now two months into the season and they don't have something to replace this platform that was called Fixtures Live, uh, which they, as it turns out, this was a, a global system which was out there, but they were the only league in the world who were still using it. Now, they do have a new platform coming, uh, a new platform called Sportle, which will be um, going live with uh, an an unknown date which is up in the air at the minute um, but they they make the point of saying that the off the shelf versions of Spordal that were available didn't fit with their league um, needs so they've had to go for a bespoke EIHA option and that is taking time um, with both the contractual agreements and the making sure that the format is going to give them a little bit of future proofing as well it doesn't take away the fact that they still don't have a system for recording this. And a lot of fans have been getting at the back of this league and saying that this was something that they were aware of. And this league is actually admitting that. They're admitting that at the end of last season, they knew that they, in fact, way before the end of last season, in November 2021, they knew that this platform was going and they needed to have something in place for the following August, September time. They didn't do it. I mean, this is really poor management. This is, and I'll I'll be honest. I hold up the EIHA quite often because things like their player safety announcements, their bans, are very very transparent. And as a league, that transparency is something that's to be held up. This is a major problem for them because this has been held back. This information hasn't been put forward to teams to fans. And currently, one of the laughing stocks is that one of the few places for you to actually get league tables is to go on to Elite Prospects. I mean, 
those guys are not getting paid to keep those elite those tables for the EIHA. Um, and other than that, you're getting odd photograph or infographics that are coming from the league itself, but nowhere to go and check. Nowhere to check go game sheets. Nowhere for recording official um, records of games. This is a this is a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I was kind of wondering. Is it just now? Is it just kind of similar to what you kind of have with individual teams, where they kind of just have someone sitting, you know, with the piece of paper? Well, I'm sure there's more. <laughs> I'm sure we're past that point of piece of paper and a pen or whatever, or piece of paper and a pen. But like, you know, is it a case of like then the teams are kind of then told, okay, can you someone keep a record of? this this and this and then just submit it to us every single week and we'll put it onto an excel spreadsheet and then we'll try and update it at some point in the future like it, it just it doesn't make sense it's just yeah i mean it's yeah look it's i don't doubt that this is a, a difficult thing they haven't had to do this for a while they haven't had to transition to a new system for a while and granted i'm oversimplifying it and i'm, I'm purposely oversimplifying it to make a point this isn't just about running their game nights. This is the system is designed apparently to help all of the organization to communicate better, um, to make the the running of the EIHA more efficient. Um, the platform will be delivering solutions for not just game day management but scheduling, membership affiliations, um, and will be a complete, as they put it a complete solution for the EIHA and its clubs. So look, this is an all-encompassing system, and I get it, that's complicated, but common sense and doing a bit of due diligence should have told you you need to start that process early and way before you lose the previous platform. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully hopefully that will get resolved anyway and then it come weeks. Um, um, obviously they'll have a lot of testing to do, training to do on, on new systems and stuff. So yeah, it'll probably take another wee while for it all to embed properly, I guess. Look, we, we can't even change the, pl- uh, the podcast platform without there being the occasional screw-up. So like running a league, we're not saying it's simple. But uh, look, fans and fans and clubs, just there's all they're saying is just do better. Yeah, well, as I say, it's probably just a matter of case if they're going to just like put in the numbers later in the season. Like, did you keep those numbers? Did, did you record how many hits were there done in that one? Great, we'll put that as a nine, and then just someone just updates it at the end. Yeah, I'll just see if first few weeks someone data, data, just put it in data into a system, into a table. Um, all right, um, I think that is the last of our stories for period one, if I'm right. Uh, we obviously have a penalty box. Uh, we do have one penalty to discuss. So what we'll do is we'll uh, move into our penalty box segment for period one before we move on to our period two of hockey. Okay, uh, one suspension um, to mention in our period uh, and our penalty box segment for uh, the period one, um, and that is the Steelers defenseman David Phillips, Stevie Phillips. Um, he took a two-game suspension for an illegal check to the head. Uh, this was last Sunday's game against the Manchester Storm. Davy Phillips was assessed a penalty for an illegal check to the head of Storm's forwards Jesper Overall, uh, which caused an injury removing him from the game. Um, in the video and the statement that was put out by Dops, um, Dops do exist, yay, um, Overall was in control of the puck in his offensive zone, driving to the net, uh, Brendan Connolly defending and Davy Phillips back checking. Uh, Connolly uses his body in a stick, uh, and stick in an attempt to hold up this play. Um, 
he then fends off uh, overall fends off Conley using his free hand, getting in front of him and continuing to the net. At this stage, uh, Phillips approaches from the side by cutting across the front of Overall's core, delivering a high forecheck uh, that makes the head the main impact contact point um, and resulting in uh, on well a contact that was avoidable um, and is deemed as an illegal hit to the head, a legal check to the head. Um, he did receive two points for two games two games for this hit um obviously to summarize they had seen it as they they dictated it as the illegal check to the head is one the injury that was suffered to the player on the play was two and then he because he has not been either fined or suspended during this season to date uh, resulted in the decision for a fine and a suspension of two games again undetermined fine um, but we're not surprised by that um the, uh, john your take on this i mean two games seems relatively it's light. It's light. I don't like this hit. Um, my biggest problem with the hit, if you've watched the video, is the... I have no problem with Davy covering his man. I have no problem with Davy back-checking in the way that he's doing. He's covering in case Connolly doesn't um, break up that play. What I do have problems with is when he sees Orval clear Connolly he steps inside and with his inside leg, when he takes the stride, he starts to rise on that leg. He purposely lifts his body into the check. You cannot, in the modern game, lift yourself into a check like that. The only time that you're able to do that is when it's going to be clear shoulder-to-shoulder contact. Orville was was down. Now, granted, he was on the offside. Um, he's, he's skating um, right-hand stick down. So he's it's going to be a backhand shot if it's going to be anything on goal unless it's going to be a passing play. Davies looking to cut off the lane, but what you don't do is target the upper body because you're always going to risk contact to the head on that one and you just cannot do that. Um, so yeah, I don't like the hit. I think two games is is far too light on this one. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I get what you mean. Maybe another game, but I don't. I don't know. I think like two games seems like the the standard hit, uh, the standard uh, call by the Dops in the last few years for for um, a hit of this type. Um, whether or not that's that's enough or not, I, I guess. But I guess it's in 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 the terms of being fair and a kind of across and kind of I suppose keeping it keeping it similar to other um, hits of sim of similarity. I guess maybe they're it's at least they're keeping within form and at least they're given the same number. I did remember though there is one other stops ruling that was made and i think john keep me right if i'm wrong in this one i don't think we've talked about this one i think this happened after our last recording but i wanted to get your take there on it there were a few there were a few others and i think we might have chatted about this one in the group chat we just didn't, yeah we didn't um, i don't think we talked about this this i don't think we talked about this particular thing on in the podcast because i think it happened after our, our last po podcast recording and that was because i think it happened on the friday night and we had recorded on the Thursday, so we just missed it. But I still wanted to get your take on it. I know it's kind of maybe old news by this point because it's nearly two weeks old, but I wanted to get your take on it because you had a very interesting point and I I kind of wanted to kind of come to it. And I'm actually admitting that you had an interesting point and I agreed with. Um, but this was obviously, there was a an incident that happened uh, in the Nottingham Panthers, or the Dundee versus Nottingham Panthers game on the 14th of October, um, in which Alex Debo uh, for the Nottingham Panthers received a five game ban uh for an abuse of the official um obviously he's the goaltender for the Nottingham Panthers uh the game itself um 
in the video, if you haven't seen the video, I'm sure it, nearly everybody has seen the video to, at this point. Um, there's a stage where um, there's a bit of a, a fist cuffs, or there's a bit of a, 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 a bit of a, a hit, and then a, a point where one of Nottingham's own players falls back on top of the, his own goaltender. Um, but in terms of the actual play itself, um, Elijah Barga is is in the front of the net, hand plant for, for Dundee, um, and he. I suppose there's a bit of an, an argument whether or not his what he was doing was was correct in terms of I think the, his the goaltender obviously Alex felt that he was being um, forceful in terms of being in front of him and 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 then what what happened after that but it's more what happened after that and that whenever uh, Alex got to his feet he pretty much just chased down the referee gets his feet skits towards the referee and then throws his stick against the glass but in the vicinity of the the official um which is why then he took the abuse of the official um. Point. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, it was obviously the, ver- the verbal con- confrontation with the ref- referee, which did escalate more. And then there was hands. I think he did push the referee as well in the back, yep. physically touched the referee, and there was a physical abuse then. Um, he actually did put his hands on him and actually like, shoved him um, because he wasn't getting the attention that he wanted from the ref, I guess. Um, I mean, five-game ban, I when you watch it back, it, lo- it, looks, it, it just looks aggressive. I mean, he chases this ref down. He looks intimidating. He, he throws a stick towards this ref and nearly hits, like, it takes him out, like, not it nearly hits him, I suppose, but it goes towards the side of the ref's head. Like, it does go towards the direction of it. I mean, uh, what's your take? Honestly, honestly, it doesn't matter. As soon as you let go of your equipment, it's no longer in your control. So whatever happens is your responsibility as a player. The point I want to make with this is, and the point that I made in our group chat was, any action, whether it's verbals, which can have a player sent off for misconduct is fine, whether it's physical in the way that Dubot was after he threw the equipment, or that in-between period where he's throwing equipment, any one of those is a serious misconduct. That, that's poor sportsmanship for a start. Um, after that, it's all about potentially causing physical harm. What the Elite League have done here is say that five games, five games is less than two weeks in some Elite League weeks. So you can lose a week and a half of game time for putting your hands on a referee. That does not sit with me. Five games is not right. This is the first major miscalculation we've seen from Dops this season. Um, I absolutely wholeheartedly disagree with this decision. Um, If you want a little bit of context behind it, and I haven't done the research, so I don't know. Um, how many games was Joe Grimaldi given for shedding equipment and throwing it at other players? Oh, yeah. Yep. That is... I know it's not the same situation, and I know that there's a completely different reasoning behind what's going on here. Look, Dubot loses it for absolutely no reason. He feels like he's interfered with. There are two Dundee players who are up on the play. Not one of them is around him. Not one of them makes contact with him. Who does make contact with him is one of his own defensemen, who is completely in the wrong place and ends up landing on their netminder. Dubot's got no right to even start talking about that goal. It's a good goal. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no problem with it. Yep. Whatever problem he's got, it's absolutely not his place to turn around and have a go at the referee in that way. It's absolutely not his place to put physical hands on any official. So for me, five games? Now... What I said in our group chat, I'm not going to say because I don't actually think with the coolness of time is right. The league haven't said it's open season on referees here. But what they've said is, you might lose a week and a half. Yeah. 
I, it's the wrong decision for me. And and I think obviously this happened as I say that weekend. Uh, you, you were home, um, obviously for that game here in Belfast against Coventry, and we talked about it, I think briefly at the, at that game and and stuff. And and I mean me and Dave were talking about it as well at Coventry, and we were we, we were talking to the, the Coventry fans. I was saying we had met, and we were talking about obviously the incident with this goaltender, and I think they were the same in, in the same kind of thing as us in terms of you know it, it clearly sends a statement to say that basically it's not that it's all right but it's almost a statement to say basically yeah well you know if you just if you get really frustrated sure what's five days and a fine in terms of you know if, if you want to just kind of get aggressive with a with a player uh, with a ref if you've never done it before you know and we're not saying that's what you should yeah. be doing because you shouldn't be doing it but again i think i agree with you i would agree with you in this case john i think it was very light for only five games i do agree with that um, the only thing sounds bad, but the only thing I'm looking forward to is uh, the first game that he's here in Belfast. In terms of um, to see how how the how the how our crowd can kind of get him riled up to see, see his reaction, because uh, he seems he seems like he has a bit of a short fuse, shall we say? Um, okay, um, I think that is it. So what we'll do is we'll get moved on to our period two of hockey. Okay, period two is a roundup of stories um, coming from anywhere else really in the world, um, uh, US, wherever. Um, basically, any news are coming our way. Most of the news stories that we are bringing today are from the NHL, um, so we'll, we'll we'll take a look at that. Um, first story, I'm just going to go with the first story, John, if that's okay, um, and, and just continue on. Um, and this is the story I kind of alluded to this um, in our pre our, our pre game um, chat um, in relation to the we, we haven't really looked at the league tables in terms of how things are stacking up at the moment in the NHL because it is really early days. Um, but um, one thing that has been noted and one thing that is very obvious is the um, Vancouver Canucks. Um, at this stage, have played seven games um in the league or seven games in in the NHL so far to date, and they have not won a single game in those seven. Um, to the dismay of the fans, the stage where the Canucks um got booed by their own fans, and it also included some jerseys being tossed onto the ice. Um, it came as a bit of a surprise, supposed being so early on. Um, but it was the first home game of the season which was played, um, and the Canucks got um got booed off basically ice at the very end of the game. Uh, they did go down to a 5-1 loss against the Buffalo Sabres at that game um, and the booing did begin midway through the third period when the scoreline was about 3-1 I think people were a bit a bit surprised at that stage because they kind of felt well it's still early and you know it's still within reach that score is not you know it's not on it's not an unimaginable thing to think of you could still come back from you know 3-1 win but clearly the fans were showing their their distaste of the fact that they've got the sixth. This was the sixth game. They're now on seven, the seventh game. They still haven't won. Um, but the boon did continue the right through the third period um, to the point where then, as a protest kind of thing, fans started leaving um, the arena quite early on, and you could see masses of people just leaving the arena and it becoming empty from about the three minute, three and a half minute mark. Um, and also then a couple of jerseys were chucked on the ice as well. Um, it was noted, and um, you know. And, and f- players and and those associated with the team have come out and have said, you know, like you know, we we're right, you're right, you know, to go winless in the first six games of the season um, is not acceptable. Um, you know, they're heard loud and clear, and you know, they start going back to work. You know, and we'll try and get things better. We'll try and get things moving, but to this stage, at this point, you know they still haven't been able to turn that around. Um, you know, granted, okay, there's only been one game since this happened at home, but. I mean, it's poor form um, to start with, but is it a surprising thing from coming six games in for fans to re- react in such a way? 
well, that was seven, so that was their seventh uh, game loss. Uh, so before that, they were 0-4-2, and, and that would have put them to 0-5-2. and um, The biggest thing for me is it's remarkable to see an NHL crowd actually being emotive about something and making noise. Um, the times that I've been to NHL games outside of fa- like giveaways in the stands and uh, goals, NHL stadiums are or rinks are like graveyards. Like there's very, very little atmosphere. Um even some of the old places, Montreal, because uh, that time I was in Canada. Um Oh, you're in Canada? How was in Canada? Um Montreal and um Ottawa, very, very quiet um affairs, like remarkably quiet. Kind of like more of like uh, a oh good good play, good play. Yeah, really. Like it really, really is like there's no there's none of the atmosphere that we associate with going to games but you can be pretty sure that if you want atmosphere the one atmosphere that's really easy to get is bad atmosphere um so when you've got a team who are performing that way bearing in mind that they at least were at the time of this and probably still are i think the only winless team in the nhl they are sitting rock bottom of their of the league, like let alone their conference, they are rock bottom and do not look like a team that are going to do anything this season. They are effectively the Glasgow clan of the NHL. Um, the only thing that's got to be said is I haven't seen a Glasgow clan fan throw their jersey on the ice yet, let alone two like they did in this game. Um, or, But we have seen boos uh, in Glasgow. There were boos, but look, this is remarkable for an NHL crowd um, to be doing this. Um, so... You've got to hope that players and coaching staff are are looking at this and taking note. I mean, we talked about it with Glasgow, winless streaks. There's only one person in that entire organization who's going to be looked at for that, and it's Boudreau. Mm-hmm. Boudreau is going to have to do something to get that team a win. Otherwise, you've got to believe that if they get to 10, he is going to be shown the door. I was going to say that I think you're right. I think um, I'd say they ha- he has probably another, not even a half dozen games. I'd say he's probably got another handful of games to show a change in form. Otherwise, you're right. I, I he would be, I'd say he'd be seeing the door. He'd be shown his, yep. he'd be given his, his notice and be gone. I see the see the biggest thing for me. Um, throwing a jersey on the ice like is is massive um, because that. You wear a jersey. Jerseys are special. Like we know this. We're we surround ourselves with them. Um we have like we even have ours for the podcast here. Um but the NHL is a different thing altogether. If those two jerseys that were thrown on that ice were legit jerseys, that's not just your team jersey, that's a financial investment <laughs> that's on that ice. Because those jerseys are not cheap. They're really not. They're not. You're right. So that that is a serious amount of ill feeling and probably not a small amount of beer if you're uh, if you're throwing your jersey on the ice. Well, uh, we will come back to the Canucks and jerseys in our second period, in our third period. Um, but um, when we talk about uh, jerseys, because I, I do want to compliment them on one, so we will come back to that. Um, I'm gonna go with John. Do you want to go on to your one first, and then we'll come back. To yeah, that? I can do. Yeah, you can. Um, so the travesty that is the Arizona Coyotes <laughs> continues they are about to make their home opener um, this weekend um, in the 5,000-ish seater arena, the Mullet Arena 
things are not going well already and they haven't even played at home yet. The facilities for visiting teams are still not ready. The annex that they are building outside of the arena, uh, or that attaches to the arena, which is supposed to have the um, away locker room and training facilities, isn't ready. So they've known about this for, again, this is an organisation who have known about these things happening for quite a while, and they're still not ready. Uh, let alone the fact that this is uh, an, an NHL franchise who are failing so, so badly. So, when Winnipeg come to, to town, they will find themselves in a, a what looks like a tucked away industrial section of the arena, surrounded by well, mostly see-through black curtains, uh, which will act as their locker room and training facilities when they are at the Mullet Arena. It's it's just a disaster. I mean, nothing that has come out of this um, move to this college arena has been taken well. All of it seems so ill-conceived and... It smacks of an organisation that's not even trying, if I'm totally honest. It's actually, we can joke and we can jest about it, but it's sad to see. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean... I, I mean, I mean uh, uh, it, it's, it's just like, uh, yeah. Uh, when you sent through the photographs yesterday of the arena, you sent this through yesterday, when you, or was it this morning you sent this through? You sent this through, no, today it was today. When you sent this through, today. I was like, I was like, what is this? Is this the change of facility? And then when I ever read the story, I was like, oh my God, this is actually what they're going to be doing for the away, the away, the away teams in terms of their dressing rooms and training rooms. This is crazy. This is unbelievable. And then um, I was reading up on the article. I don't know if you've seen the other article I had added on to our, our running order where it talks about, obviously, um, the changes that have been made in place or the things that they've had to do in terms of trying to get the Mullet Arena ready for, obviously, the, the, the games moving forward. And I love the fact that there was a comment made by the... The executive chairman, chairman for the facility of the facilities for the facilities operator, which is Oakview Group, um, and his comment was, um, although this is not a long term solution, it'll be a it'll be fun in the short term. I thought that's an interesting phrase to use, fun in the short term. But if the one thing that I that is coming out of this, which I did notice, is it's obviously a short term agreement that the NHL have or that. Arizona have in terms of um you know moving forward in terms of temporary basis in terms of like the whole idea is that they're going to be looking for a permanent fixture from I think 2026 or something I think is what they're looking for like in terms of um a home arena um but it's interesting because then obviously then the it's an NCAA arena a rink as it before the NHL moved in but if you look through the the, the changes they have made to this building, the Mullet Arena, in order to get it ready for the Coyotes to play here, it is an NHL standard. I mean, the 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 fact that they whenever they leave, half of this stuff will probably end up getting left, and so there's going to be an NCAA team out there in the future who are going to have all of these like just like sheer amounts of technology that they're going to have um, in terms of you know. NHL regulation, um, ice and pipes and and technology and everything else. It's going to be sitting there ready for them if they need it for for that. And all this infrastructure getting put in, obviously for for television broadcasts and national TV. And it's just crazy when you think about what the work that has been done. So you have to give it to them that there's been a lot of stuff that they've had to get in place in order in such a short space of time. But not to the point where I don't think what I'm trying to allude to is yes they've had a lot to do in terms of trying to get all of this stuff in place and ready to go for for to make sure it's the right standard for the NHL but they shouldn't have I don't feel that they should have 
negated the actual fact that they needed a space a proper space and the right spaces i suppose for the players in terms of both home and away away players should be just thought i know people will be like oh i i know well i'm not going to name but, but we know people here out there who say no 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 we should be making it as much as uncomfortable for the away for the away teams as possible and there's people there's 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 a mentality out there that people will say yeah yeah let's make it as uncomfortable as possible but this is a different level of uncomfortable this is ridiculous for an nhl side it it is uh it's it just adds insult to the injury that is an nhl team playing in a five thousand seater arena um it it's an absolute joke that you've got not one not two but possibly three elite league teams who on a regular home game basis could actually be outselling an nhl franchise now, granted, we're not selling those tickets for NHL prices unless you're at one or two of those arenas. We're getting bloody close, but uh, like that, it's how how is there a fan out there who can proudly wear that Coyotes jersey? Yeah, I I cannot for the life of me understand how you could be a proud Coyotes fan with the exception of the fact that they actually have a really nice logo. Did they ever? Yeah. Um... Did they did they ever come to an agreement around? Um, Funny, that's just I know the logo what you're going to ask. Because yes. I know there's a so, bit of a there's a bit of an argument around which ice which which logo was going to go down. Because obviously it's yeah. not their their so, home rink. What they've agreed is that the center ice will have both logos. Oh, okay. So it will have the the pitchfork of um, ASU, and it will have the I think it's the Kachina uh, logo will be on the the other side. Um, because there will be seven or eight instances, I think I read, of ASU and the Coyotes playing within a day of each other, oh, right, which okay. doesn't give them enough time to shave the ice down and change the center ice logo. So when we're watching uh, the Arizona Coyotes play this season, and probably for the next three seasons at least, if not four, uh, which is as long as the agreement that they have can run, you'll see a college hockey team logo on the ice. Fair play to the college team getting that that additional sponsor, that additional attention. That's a fair amount of exposure. It is indeed. So, look, it's good news for the college team. It's just more and more bad, bad, bad news for the Coyotes. Yep. Um, Okay, last story for this period. Um, We talked about this record last year. And that was the Ironman record, which is the record for the most consecutive games played. Um, and last year we talked about it because um, it was being it was held last year by it was set by Philadelphia Flyers defenseman Keith Yandel um, last season. And obviously, Aaron, we talked to Aaron about this and about obviously he had, he had hit that mark last year and, and, and hit the record. But at that stage, we did discuss and we talked about um, that the that that wouldn't be that wouldn't last just as long as maybe we thought it would do um and and this year already at the start of this season um only seven or eight games in that record has been beaten by phil castle and um, we do make fun phil of phil the thrill. <laughs> phil the thrill. We, phil the we make fun of phil every now and again um but he um you know he does have he has played now 990 consecutive games in the nhl and on top of that he did score his 400th career goal um with the Golden Knights as well um, against the San Jose Sharks last Tuesday. Um, I mean, that's, that's again, tremendous achievement. Um, and the thing is, you know, Phil is still at a point where he's still going to be playing on for a few more seasons. He'll still have a full season this year. Um, I mean, it's just... It'd be interesting to see by the end of this season kind of where he sits in relation to um, 
that that streak in terms of you know if he can continue with, with the same streak in terms of continued plays um it should be no doubt obviously that is starting from his time with the maple leafs right through the, his, his time with the pens arizona Coyotes, and now with the golden knights um who he signed with in august um but yeah great achievement over 13 uh, i think it's going back 13 years all together um so um significant numbers significant numbers the the 400th goal was slick mm, yeah like the play was so slick and the celebration so understated phil knew exactly what he had done he knew that on the ironman day hitting 990 he had just hit 400 goals so understated and when the crowd rose to give him a round of applause for the the ironman during play he just sat there and soaked it all in. This is a guy who loves what he does and isn't going to stop anytime soon. But one of the funniest comments I saw online was um, along the lines of, people joke, but clearly 990 games without uh, a day off in the NHL clearly shows us that hot dogs are a healthy, nutritious and balanced diet for athletes. Oh, that's pretty, that's funny. That's really good, actually. It's really good. But take all that to one side for a second. Let's just, let's not take away the fact that in a few weeks' time, we are very likely to see the first NHL player to play 1,000 consecutive games. Games, I know. Yeah. I mean, that is insane. Yeah. That's great. I like That's a thousand. Yeah. People, a lot of people online are talking about the fact that imagine doing your job 990 times without taking a day off. Now, admittedly, they have, they have off season. Phil, Phil enjoys the off season. We've seen photos of Phil enjoying the off season. Yeah. But it doesn't discount the fact that he can go away, enjoy himself and come back for 13 years straight, ready to play and coaches put him in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if, he's, if he's yeah. not fit and able to play the game, a coach isn't going to start him and no. he loses that streak. Yeah. So That's... the fact he's made it to 990, there is no doubt, barring... God, watch me scud him here. Barring injury, there is no way he doesn't get to 1,000. Or the dreaded COVID. You never know. Well, he's gone this far and yeah. it's plenty of money in Vegas to keep him away from COVID. That's true. Um, okay, I think that is the last story for this period. Do you have anything else, John, before we move on? Not in this one. Good. Okay, let's move on to our period three of hockey. Welcome to period three, our general Noki News. Noki News is where we talk about anything and everything else in the world of hockey that doesn't fit neatly into period one or period two. Um, Marty, I'm going to start with you because this is a pretty interesting story about some uh, new advertising tech in the NHL. Yeah, so this was obviously tech that was announced um, prior to the start of the NHL season this year where they had announced that um, the a new, new technology was going to be used during broadcasts um, right across the, ne- the network um, and all the different, obviously, television networks and stuff. Um, and that would allow, the technology would allow for um, regional advertisements um, from each arena. So basically, based on your geographical location and your area of where you are, the boards around the arena would show um, electronic digital um, advertisements. Now, kind of people are thinking, right, well, what's so special about that? These are digital, so they're not actual advertisements that are in place. If you're in the arena itself, you will see a the normal set boards with the with the with the general 
um, advertisements like you would normally see. So static boards, static advertisement like we're used to seeing. But if you're watching the broadcast, the boards changed digitally, like you see like maybe in football where the boards will move and then it'll show different advertisements throughout the game. I was watching the game the other week and I noticed it because it's really off-putting or it's really odd. You the your your attention can sometimes be drawn away from the game because the the boards will change suddenly like not even in breaks of play or whatever it is they'll just change suddenly um and also it looks slightly artificial or unreal in some ways like it looks like it's been superimposed on top of the image and it's it does kind of draw your attention a bit well that's like, that's exactly what's happening so two they, things they are two things that have, have have come up from this um because i noticed that i i noticed it when i was watching one of the first games i've watched this season from the nhl and i noticed and i thought it's really obvious like you can see it it's so clear that it's it just looks fake like it's just really there's something weird about it so i kind of went on and was looking to see what other people were saying about them and there's two things that popped up so one i i put on an um an article obviously that talks about the virtual ads john um from cbc um and in that in that article they talk about the fact that like the boards themselves they're high tech obviously the, the idea of how digital they're going to be and everything else in terms of that but if you looked at it and some of the responses have coming through people are noticing different little bits and pieces but there's one image on it um if halfway down the screen um from a las vegas um and la game in which you can clearly see the fake uh or the the digital copy of what people are seeing at home um but the reflection on the ice coming from the boards is a completely different reflection and so that's what people are noticing people are noticing that they're seeing one thing there but the reflections are still on the ice and it's really kind of jarring to see something that looks superimposed but the other one i don't know if you've seen it um is the twitter link that i added from um, a guy called rob williams the rob the hockey guy in which he showed the malfunction that happened recently and this is something that has happened it's happened i, I believe I've, I've read that this has happened two or three times during broadcast play and i've also heard that there's been an issue where the the advertisement was going back and forth um moving back and forth um at quite a high speed and there's also one where i read that this the, the the advertising was actually like almost moving to a point where it was almost like breakneck speeds but you can see it here where the digital billboard has taken over and almost overtakes the players and you can't see the players especially when they come around the boards the the problem with this one is it's it's like green screening because yeah. the the advertising boards themselves uh which are in vancouver here for this game are mostly white but you've got Edmonton who are or sorry it's the other way around sorry we're, we're in Edmonton and Vancouver's away jerseys which are mostly white are interfering with the the overlay of the advertising boards so that's a really difficult one to to sort because away jerseys are white that that's not going to change unless the league is going to change that around and you're going to end up with two dark colored jer- or two colored jerseys on the ice that's just not going to happen because that gets far too complicated on the ice um your only other option then is to change the color of the boards and again that's not going to happen because if you put a white board even though they've got advertising on them fixed advertising on them the tradition is for a white board because the puck stands out against that what you're not going to do is put it in block green or block blue so that your advertising works seamlessly because that would just be a horrendous betrayal of the game to make a few dollars. Um, now, I say that, I don't put that past Batman. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's like obviously... The, tech, the, text, the text there, it's first gen, things will move on yeah. and things will get better. Yeah. But right now, it's really off-putting. Yeah. And it reminds me of during the... 
the COVID um, affected games, especially when they had the weird projected um, or artificially projected advertisements on the glass behind the goals. Yes. And even for that, like they were they were made to look like it was uh, a sticker that was on the glass, but it, it would change depending on what end of the ice or whatever was going on, whatever broadcast you were watching. I found that really off-putting, even with the, the big banners and everything that were covering the empty seats in the arenas. But that advertising that was stuck on there really stuck out to me and really annoyed me and took me out of the game. That's precisely what this stuff is doing. Um, and that needs to be fixed immediately. If they can't fix it, they need to stop using it. Um, unfortunately, both uh, both our techie guys, both the uh, unfortunately both our, um, especially our tech support in terms of Dave. Uh, in terms of I, 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 there was a comment made on uh, under the Twitter uh, account, which is really funny, which caught my attention. And I suppose the reason I brought it up is because it's as you mentioned, John. Like it is early days. They're obviously just starting this technology from this year. It's Gen One. You know, obviously it's going to progress, and we always see these things happen, and they'll, they'll get better as the as the seasons go on. Um, but I'm just wondering if anybody else has seen anything yet that's been funny or has caught their attention. If you do, let us know. Um, but there's this one guy who basically said, um, I was like, yeah, I was going to ask Dave and John what, the, or I was going to ask, sorry, Dave and Aaron what their, their take was in terms of how, you know, from an IT point of view, how could it be fixed? But this guy got here first. He said, did anybody try unplugging the arena, waiting a minute and then plugging it back in again? It's like, <laughs> totally something Dave would have said is if you tried to turn it off and turn it back on again. Um, but yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd raise that one. I just thought that was a, it was an interesting one. It's just because I noticed it when I was watching and it was definitely something that was clear um, through whenever I was watching. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. Cool. Um, Murray, I'm going to stick with you. Um, okay. And you did mention that uh, you you did want to talk about the Canucks. Um, yeah. I think slightly in a more positive light. Yeah. So obviously we, we had the, um, we, we talked about the Canucks and their per run of form at the moment um, in, in period two, just in terms of how, how badly things are going for them just on the ice as an on-ice product. Um, but behind, off the ice, um, in terms of what they're doing, in terms of something that happened this week was pretty interesting. Um, they, I don't know if, if, this, um, if, if, if you've seen this, but uh, the Vancouver Canucks this week um, have um, designed alongside a local artist um, in Vancouver, um, an artist called Sandeep Jal, um, designed the Canucks 2022 Diwali uh, warm-up jersey, uh, which the team will be wearing against the Hur- which the team did wear against the Hurricane Hurricane uh, the Hurricane uh, the Carolina Hurricanes there um, on this past Monday, um, or this coming Monday, sorry. That past Monday, this Monday there passed, um, and because we have obviously seen them already, um, but the jerseys themselves, obviously they are designed um, as part of the valley, which is obviously the festival, the 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 the, uh, it's the uh, festival of light and and color, and then it's it's uh, one of the part of the the. the I suppose the celebrations um around around um Diwali for um for for Indian heritage and stuff. Um I mean these things are these things are beautiful. I I my my point I I my my opinion anyway, I feel like these jerseys are just just stunning, like visually artistically stunning. That that Vancouver logo on the front is just something Honestly, I I don't know how to explain it apart from go have a look at the jerseys, um, see what you think. Um, John, would you be in agreement with for me with me for a change or? Uh, they are beautiful. Um, for obviously for the Hindu Festival of Light, um, these are beautiful. And I have to be honest, there's been a lot of um these sort of cultural heritage style jerseys that have been put out. Um, I look at the Preds; they had a Hispanic. 
um, night yes. jersey. Yeah. Um, which was beautiful. I'm actually liking a lot of these. Um, the the designs are not just thrown together, and that's my my biggest takeaway. Is they are considered. They are using local artists. They are using um, artage artists with a history of the culture that they're trying to put across, but retain their team culture within the logo. But it means by getting the right people, you get the right balance between retaining your team's identity, but delivering the message that you want to deliver as well. And these um, Diwali uh, warm-up jerseys are a prime example of that. And yeah, they, they are gorgeous. Uh, they're amazing they are beautiful jerseys but if you haven't seen them um we'll be throwing them up on our website um take a wee quick look um they're definitely worth having a, a look at um but yeah they're beautiful i wonder how much they will go for in terms of i know they're going to be auctioned off um after the game um i wonder how much they'll go for but they are they're stunning yep they are um we've only got one more story um for period three and i want to take us back to last season uh, when we talked about a fantastic initiative that Puckstop here in the UK were um, doing with the EIHA. Um, and this is an example of the EIHA doing good things uh, and doing very well considered good things. This was the, the Puckstop and EIHA um, programme to get goalies, uh, young goalies, into the game uh, and take away the restriction of expensive pads uh, and having to buy expensive pads for kids who may or may not take to the either the sport or to the position of goaltending because you can quite easily drop a couple of grand on new goalie pads and if it's not going to stick then it's a bit of a wasted investment that you're never going to get back so what they do is they do um, their um, goalie loan program um, and I just wanted to mention the fact that this isn't a case of just throwing any old goalie gear out there. This isn't scraps that they found in the back of a cupboard somewhere or returns or stuff that's maybe got faults in. These are pristine, really, really nice pads that are going out and the high quality bower pads as well that are going out. Um, and I just want to talk about the fact that they actually put out uh, a new navy colourway set that went out to the, the loan system and it's a set of pads that would look well in place on any New York Rangers goaltender the the navy white and red um, pad setup it is gorgeous and this is I think part of what they're doing is not just putting out a plain white set of pads that look run of the mill and every day Everyone knows that if you can look good doing something that you love, you'll probably feel better doing it as well. And kids especially will latch on to that. So to me, and I just want to throw up there that this is a mass, this is a brilliant thing that Puckstop and um, the EIHA are doing. And I just wanted to give them a stick tap for this because the, the pads are gorgeous. If I could A, skate and B, had the guts to stand in goals... I absolutely would have done this as a kid. Uh, I would have been desperate to try and borrow these pads uh, to do that. That being said, if anyone knows a rec team that wants to let an absolute lunatic who does the occasional podcast to standing goals, hopefully with goalie pads and a GoPro <laughs> strapped to his head, I absolutely am up for that. Possibly in adult sizes. Don't try and put me in kids' size stuff because 
I, I, I imagine that stuff won't cover some very specific parts of me. Um, I, I just, th- yeah, I agree with John. I think this is great. Um, obviously, it's always good whenever you've got, you know, grassroots hockey being supported um, in this way. And I, as you say, it's very positive um, in terms of what they're doing and um, to kind of encourage that um, among young players. Um, just on that, I kind of did want to mention as well, I did see that um, I'm, not taking away, I'm not taking away from them because obviously it's local and it's, you know, in terms of, you know, what they're doing is, is, is fantastic in terms of, you know, encouraging it through the, that donation scheme. Um, but I did notice as well, there was another, um, it was announced today as well that um, Rooston Hockey, who are um, one of the major um, developers of goalie equipment, uh, as well as um, Sticks, uh, Christian Brand Sticks in, in the US, um, they have pledged 1,000 hockey sticks um as part of hockey equality today um so they're basically donating a thousand hockey sticks to grassroots hockey across um the states um and i, I it's just again, i think it's across canada they're across canada they're sorry company. sorry yes across canada um and i just think that again it's just another another interesting take on you know how how we develop and how we encourage young people and youth um and hockey especially given how expensive it can be to kind of you know to partake in a sport um so i i think just you know um the fact that you know puck stop is is doing what they're doing it's just um should just be applauded so yeah agree yep here here marty with that that brings us to the end of period three mm-hmm. um i think because we haven't really been together this season um, apart from maybe one or two podcasts, we're kind of bypassing the the star again. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, just uh, we just haven't had a fair chance to kind of put it, put it. Um, yeah, to do it. I'll really be, I'll season. be totally honest. Can I, can I just throw one out there and see if you agree with me? If we just award the star straight off, um, based on today, that uh, so today is uh, Thursday the twenty seventh. Uh, if you were anywhere near uh, Elite League or more specifically Belfast Giants Twitter. Uh, Scott Conway for me has absolutely earned uh, the star um, and has quite clearly stamped that star on the forehead of uh, Kyle Haas and I will say no more yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was an interesting game last night um Belfast mm. versus Dundee um well what I could see of it um I was completely bl- <laughs> completely blinded by the new lights that are in the arena um, thank, thank god you didn't have the uh, the star trophy with you in the arena that night there could have been rainbows everywhere jeez um yeah I came away from the game yesterday just thinking of myself my head is sore um fair play to the Giants and for sorry the the Odyssey Trust for investing in new lights for for the arena but is there a dimmer switch because oh my like oh my days like it was so strong like i've got anti-glare lenses on because obviously if my of like for for re, like because obviously my my site because of my site i need anti-glare in terms of trying to help didn't work <laughs> it didn't it didn't work they were just they completely destroyed the glare just the glare it was just the whole game which is like sitting looking dazzled like as if like you know you, you know when you you know when you're driving along on a dark road and there's like a car behind you with their high beams on and it just like dazzles you the whole time that's how i felt that's the only way i could describe it it felt like that the whole way through the game whole way through anyway i i i digress um yeah you're right there's we'll- there's bright there's bright and then there's been able to see into the future bright <laughs> yeah yeah so we'll see what happens in the next game but yeah you're right um that was an interesting tweet that was put out uh we won't really go into too much more but it will be interesting to see what happens at the next giants dundee game which i'm sure probably will happen in the next week or two because it feels like we're playing dundee all the time um here to be fair if, if your man has a real problem about it uh dundee has history with people in the crowd getting involved so sure if he wants a, a ticket to to dundee to just sit in the crowd because 
Let's be fair, he's, he's a fan now, he's not yeah, a player. He's, he's not really doing much. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay, well then what we'll do then is we'll move into our overtime segment. Um, and our overtime segment is just a any other bits and pieces that have come in um, from, um, or any other bits and pieces that we want to add in, or um, as we are now maybe kind of calling it, or we should be calling it, uh, the Mark Asks section of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have got another... Um, we did get a, an interesting uh well it was more to do with i think he knew we were going to talk about this anyway um and to be fair uh, we, we we were going to talk about this um but we just it just, it just means we put it in our overtime segment rather than our our, our knocking you segment um but this past um fortnight over since our last recording the um nhl teams right across the right across the league have announced and put out their 2022 2023 retro reverse retro jerseys um all 32 teams were unveiled by adidas um earlier last week um and they are some interesting designs some uninspiring designs and some designs that are just a bit baffling to be fair um marty 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 mm -hmm. tell me what you think's a completely uninspired reverse retro jersey (laughs) oh you mean you you mean the toronto maple leafs jersey which is just you mean the toronto maple leafs jersey that could be literally any other toronto maple leafs jersey they, ever? I, I just feel like I feel like I've seen that jersey every single every single year. Like it doesn't look. That's okay. That's when you so, when you've got a team of that history, and th- where that team has come from. Like I get the fact that they use the St. Pat's for Paddy's Day every single year. Yes. Why is that not a St. Pat's jersey? Why is that not a really really nice reverse retro St. Pat's I, jersey? just don't understand I, I genuinely don't understand why they couldn't have put a bit more effort into the, the design in terms of um what they like just put a bit more effort in <laughs> you know i mean it just it, as you say like I, i'm first one to admit i think it's the most uninspiring i think it's the worst one out of them well not the worst one we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute um, it's not the worst one but i just think it's just it's just awful like i just i just do not like it whatsoever so the question that was put in obviously we've seen all of the the teams they've they've all they've all been released now so um john i'm gonna put it to you first um mark is asking what would be your top five jerseys out of those well it's uh it's interesting that you ask. <laughs> um, so, there can be absolutely no doubt because Mark will have seen straight away oh, that as soon as sorry, these were announced. Sorry, was- sorry uh, I should put in one thing that that he did state. One thing he did say was that you can't choose your own team as your top. Fine, because I actually had a list of six. So, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. So... Put the mustard cat to one side because it's gorgeous and is clearly the best one there. Uh, my top five, and I'll rattle through them without giving any reasons why, would be the Islanders, the Bruins, the Yotes, the Oilers, and the Ducks. Okay. Um, the Islanders is the one that I'll give some reasoning behind, and it's because I absolutely love the Fisherman logo. Um I've seen it on a couple of sort of throwback jerseys that they've done, but I absolutely love that Islanders logo. Um, and the colours on that jersey are just perfect. They, they've they gone for the navy with the orange highlights, which for the Islanders, I'm sure, was very, very difficult for them not to go the other way around and go with the orange with the navy highlights, which would make it, to me, sometimes their colours make them look way too much like the uh, like the Oilers. Mm-hmm. with their, their colour decisions but that one looks particularly nice um, the 
only other one that I'll say, and I'll throw it straight out there, because I mentioned it earlier on, is the Yotes. They're on my list because I actually really like that Kachina logo. Now, that's obviously just the Kachina head that's on that, but either way, that's better than their actual logo. And I think all all 5,000 Coyotes fans across the globe uh, who would fit into their new tiny little um, college arena all agree that that is their that is their team logo not the more modern coyote logo yeah um yeah i would agree and look, um, anytime they get the ducks mask back out again that's a good jersey that well that's true i'm obviously wearing a very very old school kind of ducks jersey but obviously that's um yeah canucks actually are up there for me i'll kind of go through my five now as well i would agree i like the canucks jersey um i like i like the design that they've done with that one i'd probably say that's probably in, in my fifth place my fourth place i love the that that old school new york rangers jersey with the liberty um head on it um anytime they ever use that i always just think it's just a great looking shirt um i'm gonna go with washington as one of mine i like that eagle um i like the design that has been done on it it's a bit different um and interesting um i also like obviously the uh, anytime as you say they use the ducks logo um I, i've got the ducks in there as my second place because i uh, I just think it's always a great jersey. Um, and my top one um, is probably... Uh, it was a tough one because I like the Bruins one and I also like the Islanders one, but I think the Islanders for me is probably going to be there as my top one um, from those. Um, although I did say I liked one, but it's not my top five. I did like one and you, you were like, oh, gross, which was the uh, the the Florida um, jersey, which is the, the one with the palm tree and the... The, palm tree a hockey stick in the sun i love it's it. so uninspired <laughs> it's it. so uninspiring it's a horrendous logo there was one logo um there was one jersey that was designed one logo and honestly i looked at it for eight, it was the first one that i had seen and i looked at it and i thought to myself whose jersey is this which like which team are they rep- which team does this jersey represent so the oilers jersey which is the one with the cog and the the bit of oil hitting the cog which is now what i know what it is i was like i mean you've said it there yeah i was like that's because i know what it is now at first i was like comet uh comet hitting something um impact uh i was like <laughs> that that's a that is an alt logo that that's not new but I, I don't know why I've never seen it before because I was looking at it I was like what what am I looking at here I don't really know what that is um, do you know do you know if you were going by like logos alone and alt logos alone do you know the one that would stand out to me as being near perfect again is the Kings oh yeah okay yeah yeah because that that crown that Kings crown and it just it reminds me of one person and one person alone because he owns that jersey and he wears it all the time is Snoop yeah okay yeah yeah Snoop always wears that King's yeah. jersey. Um, I did have um, he, uh, Mark did send me his list of five. Um, but I'm not going to lie, I am not logged into my Twitter on um on my Mac, and the only lo- only place it's logged in right now is on my phone, which is now being used as my <laughs> webcam. Um, so I can't lift it off to look at it. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and they saved. Look, uh, there's only so my, there's my so saved- my safe password on the Mac for, for to log into Twitter is incorrect. So even if I click on it, it's like <laughs> it's asking me to send information to my phone to get the code. And I'm like, I can't do that either. So Mark, I apologize. Do you know what? We, we need to come back to that because I guarantee you, if he's put the Preds on there and uh, we don't say this, he's going to absolutely rip into me the fact that he tried to give the Preds a little bit of kudos. Now, the likelihood is that they're not on there, but 
just in case we'll have to come back to this <laughs> um okay that is it obviously we'll get um we'll try and get uh dave and aaron's response to those jerseys as well um and kind of get their top five yeah can i just throw one thing out there yes um, obviously i wasn't allowed to uh wasn't allowed to talk about the mustard cat there for a second um but i, I just want to throw out there that uh I did throw up on Twitter uh, whenever I first saw the the reverse retro Preds jersey get thrown out there, and I, I did like it. And uh, some of our friends are uh, going to be out in Nashville, as it yep. turns out, for uh, a game where they're actually going to be wearing that jersey. And it was good to see in the last couple of days that uh, the McLeans have uh, got out to the States. Their travel went really well. Looks like they were really well looked after um, with their travel uh, through the airport and on the planes and managed to get settled in their, their first hotel, at least, uh, over on the other side there. Um, and it's just to say that we re- we hope that they have an absolutely fantastic time uh, and that Ethan in particular has uh, an absolutely amazing time. Um, and I'm not jealous at all that you're going to see the mustard cat on the ice. Uh, not a single bit. Uh, you, yeah, you don't sound it, John. You sound it. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I hope we have a great. Hope they have the. Hopefully, they have a, a great time um, while they're out there um, in the states and uh, enjoy the whole everything about it. Um, but yes, very good. Um, that takes us to the end of this week's show. Um, nothing else to add. Um, as I say, we'll we'll find out from um, Dave and Aaron what their take is, and we'll we'll add that on. We'll add theirs maybe on um, to um, our website at some stage if they come back to us in time. Um, but uh, um, with that, we'll just kind of sign off our show as we normally do. Um, you can check out all of the content from this episode and previous episodes on our website at door14hockey.com. Uh, interact. Tell us what you're thinking. Let us know what your thoughts are on those jerseys. If you've seen uh, any funny side effects from the the boards around the rink when you're watching the NHL, um, send them our way. Um, and you can do so through all the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and also Instagram at Door14Hockey. Um, if you can, and if you're happy to, send us, uh, give us some thumbs up and our likes, five-star reviews, whatever you want to do on your podcast provider of choice. Um, we'd greatly appreciate that. Um, but with that, we'll sign off for this week. I'm Marty. I'm John. Have a great week.